mice fell in a bucket of cream. The first mouse quickly gave up and drowned. The second mouse wouldn't quit. He struggled so hard that eventually he turned that cream into butter and crawled out. Gentlemen, as of this moment, I am that second mouse. It's amazing. He's talking about motorcycle insurance. Now let's start the show. Step out Welcome back, folks. Hope you all are doing well and having a super sparkly Wednesday. We're coming to you live on a different day that we normally don't record, but with birthdays and illnesses and vacations and shit, like this is probably the most convenient time. So welcome back. We got a lot of things to talk about. Uh, Lib Crusher 69, AKA Q is here. Um, Gatto is currently negotiating the debt ceiling crisis right now. And he's trying to get Americans like you, Q and myself free pizza Friday, but apparently the Republicans are not down with that. I heard, uh, I heard Gatto had, I heard Gatto has Kevin McCarthy in a chokehold right now, so he's got him. He's about to break soon. I'm I'm really banking on that, and <laughs> I'm wondering if he has just raided Marjorie Taylor Greene's, stormed Marjorie Taylor Greene's office and found all of her bang energy in her mini fridge and has just consumed it all. <laughs> oh, Tommy, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing all right, man. We live in. Uh, I'm alive, and I think that's like the only thing I can be hopeful for in this day and age. Um, so that's you know, it's, it's a it's a good thing. Yeah, yeah. So you were just on a vacation. Tell us about where you went and how it was, and how was the airplane airline food? Um, I don't need airline food because I'm not Jerry fucking Seinfeld. But um, no, it was, I went to Phoenix, um, and. It's fucking hot there. Like, oh, you just figured that out. It's fucking no. Like, I mean, like, I, I think I even maybe on like had like lower expectations of like what it was going to be. And I got there and it was like probably like 85. Mind you, it's like six o'clock at night, six, mm-hmm. six, six 30. And sun's like kind of starting to come down. And it's 85 degrees. And I'm in the Uber and the guy's like, oh, no, this is this is beautiful. Like, this is great. Like you should have been here last week. It was 115. It's not even fucking summer yet. But like the consensus that everyone kind of keeps going with is that like, um, basically like, oh, if you can just withstand like the three months of summer, so it's like June, July, August. If you can survive those, like the rest of the year, it's beautiful. And it's like, yeah, but you like you can like cook alive, you know, yeah. in those months. So. Um, 115 in the fucking shade, like oh, but it's a dry heat, and it's like heat is heat. It really doesn't matter. I don't care if it's dry or wet, (laughs) like you know. So, um, and then like they keep saying, like a lot of people keep saying, like, well, it's better than being in New York. You can't shovel sunshine, and I'm like, okay, number one, never fucking say that again. Because it sounds the dumbest thing I've ever that heard. It, 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 they said it in a way to like every single person that I met that said it 
all said it in the same way that that guy, uh, that lady in the uh, office space said, guys, we got a case of the Mondays. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I was like, yeah, but I'm like, I'm maybe I'm different because like I'm used to New York weather and I like the seasons. So, but not to bury the lead here. Um, I almost died in Arizona. This is a story, um, and I almost didn't believe you when you said it either. Yeah, John McCain came back from the dead and ch- almost choked me to death. It's happened to the best of us. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, yeah, so I, I did not want to do this, but I ended up hot air ballooning. And I'm not going to lie, like, it was pretty shady to start out. Like, so the, the service essentially picked me up from the hotel at four o'clock in the morning, mind you. It's some dude, some teenage, like it looks like a teenager picking me up, not saying anything. Like there's a bunch of people in the car, like we're all confused and like this, it's early. And this guy's like, didn't, didn't even say hi, like literally opened the door for me, get in, closed the door, got in the car, started driving. And he kept pulling over and like getting out of the car, calling someone and then getting back in and then driving again. Mind you, we're driving for like 40 minutes at this point. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to get human trafficked. This is how I die. And <laughs> I'm literally sitting here like, oh, okay, I'm, I'm going okay, to meet my death today. Um, and it wasn't that way. Uh, so finally, I figure out that they were trying to figure out a good launch point. So like that's like what they were doing. They were kind of coordinating. They were testing the wind. And then I started seeing other staff and all that. And so you're like, all right, so I guess I'm not getting human trafficked. I'm not going to be in. I'm not going to have Liam Neeson coming looking for me. So we uh, <laughs> we finally find the spot and like the instructor's cool as shit. He's very funny. But like I didn't realize like how crazy it is starting out because basically they start filling the balloon and he's like, you guys going to have to like jump into the ca- the the uh, like the carriage mm-hmm. because pretty much once it fills, the hot air balloon wants to go up in the air. Right. So it's like it's hard to stop it. So. Basically, like once it got filled, I had to like leap into the fucking um, into the basket. So we're up in the air. And, you know, it's pretty. I don't like heights. And I'm standing there. And finally he goes, oh, this never happens. But in the event that I say hot landing, you know, we might catch a gust of wind or something. So he's like, if I say that, I want, we're going to practice it right now. Everyone get into a squat position and there's like ropes kind of embedded in the carriage. So you kind of hold on to them. Mm-hmm. And he's like, so you do that. Everyone practice it. Like, All right. It never happens. But, you know, just let's just be, be careful. So we're in there for about an, we're up there for about an hour. Beautiful. Everything like that. We're coming down and a gust of wind catches us. And he sell, yells hot landing. Now, oh, no. this thing is comprised right it's like it's a whole thing it's got five compartments so it was me and then there was a group of other people group of other people group of other people and then he's in the middle kind of operating it right Mm -hmm. of course my side is the one that kind of tips like this as we're coming in so you were either which side were you on were you to be jettisoned out or you're going to be the first one to hit the ground oh i'm first one hitting the ground oh good yeah and basically, so like I'm sitting like, so my head's not exposed and I'm sitting there holding the rope and we hit two trees. The first one wasn't so bad. And I was like, oh, that was kind of bumpy. 
And then all of a sudden we slam into a tree. Fuck out of here. And it felt like, like if you've ever been in a car crash, like that's what it felt like. It's that impact of like, you feel that impact. And like literally hang pretty much hanging there on like upside, like upside down waiting for this guy to be able to get us out. Jesus. Yeah. It was, it was pretty fucking horrifying. I was laughing after, thank God, because like, you know, it's that moment of like, oh, I didn't die. <laughs> I'm going to laugh <laughs> now. But like, it, it was pretty fucking horrifying. Wow. All right. So, um, so conclusion, you, don't go hot air ballooning. In I was going to ask us if you can give us like a, a quick rating out of on a zero to 10 scale about your overall ballooning experience yeah i'm gonna go with a one because like it was pretty but like i don't want to i i don't know no <laughs> like no yeah no i i would imagine that is going to be an experience that probably is like a one and done for you yeah i'm not ever gonna do that again and it was so funny too because like there were like there's millions there's like thousands of balloons going off around you right mm -hmm. like because it's a lucrative business for them so I'm seeing all the other balloons in the area and they're all like gently landing to the ground and like this all just gently landing. And I swear to God, like, it's just so funny. I was just like, tell like how, like how funny would it be if we're the ones that have to like crash land to the ground? And of course it fucking happened. Of course it happens. Yeah. So yeah, that was uh that was my fun experience. Well, that sounds awful. Yeah, my neck's been sore ever since, and I signed a waiver, so, yeah. Sucks for you. Yeah. How was the rest of Arizona, though? Did you have fun? Yeah, it was all right. It was it was hot. Um, hotel I stayed in was, was pretty nice, but, like, it was fucking hot. I was, like, getting kind of sick of it. Like, I, 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 I can get the appeal, like, in this, like, you know, in Chris, on Christmas time, you can, like, go in the pool, you mm -hmm. know? <laughs> like it's like hey i'm gonna go unwrap my presents and i'm gonna go take a fucking dip and tan like i get it i get the appeal but like there's no, it's nothing crazy about arizona that would like make me move there pretty much just crazies i would say it was pretty everyone but it was like weird everything closed super early too that was weird like even on like a like downtown phoenix like on like saturday night like you were lucky if the place is open like past midnight. I will say though, you said downtown Phoenix. Yeah. The way that their city is constructed is really odd in the sense that like downtown Phoenix actually doesn't have a whole lot going on. It's like their perimeter right. has more happening, but you'd be surprised like the kinds of cities that you think are like major metropolitan areas and they just yeah. clear out. Yeah. When I went to Dallas, five or six years ago at this point, or I went to Fort Worth. Sorry. Um, I got off my flight at like five, got to the hotel at like six and walked out of my hotel, assuming there is going to be like restaurants and coffee shops and stuff open. Everything yeah. was closed because no one actually lives in these places anymore. Unlike New York city or Chicago or yeah. East coast cities, like people actually live not far from where they work, but right. The further you go west, the more space there is. And then ultimately, any downtown area is pretty much wiped off the map. Yeah, it was wild to see because, like, even, like, the day of, uh, the day I was flying back, 
um, there was like this New York deli, and I was like, oh, let me go check it out. It was actually really good. Um, surprisingly, food was actually really good. Um, I'll, I'll say that, but they closed at like four o'clock, and I was like, I mean, like, I guess with a deli, I mean, like, maybe it's on the border, but like, even like the restaurants, like, I was like seeing like a lot of places, like nine o'clock, they were closing, and I'm like, well, the old people are gone at that point. They Early ate bird special is over, yeah, yeah. they're already <laughs> four, they're done. Yeah, I went to this uh, restaurant. Uh, you can look it up. It's really cool. Called Different Point of View. It's on a mountaintop. Um, very, very cool. Food was fucking insanely good. Nice. Very cool. So you also went on the trip. I did. Um, I went to Austria. Oh, the Germans. Oh, the Austrians. <laughs> um, I went to Vienna and then I went to Prague. Nice. And was there for last week. It's pretty cool. It was the first time I had gone to Europe since I was like on an eighth grade Spanish exchange trip. Mm-hmm. Um, Vienna's fucking cool as shit. Yeah. That city has history. Um, it's a different kind of city because, spoiler alert, the shit got bombed out of it during World War II. So a lot of it's new, but they've also were able to keep a lot of the old buildings and restore them. Yeah. Prague is old and it feels old. But it's also definitely a party city. Mm. And it's going to both of those places and just kind of seeing the contrast of them was really interesting because you can sense the age in both of them. But for the Czech Republic, former Soviet bloc country, it doesn't feel like other Soviet bloc countries, but it does have a little bit of that like edginess to it that Vienna Mm. didn't have. Vienna was also like real wealthy and shit like that. But the Czech, every meal, beer, every meal, a fucking plate of meat. And the one thing that I had a hard time getting used to there and now I'm back home, I'm way too used to it is like they said, if you go to a coffee shop, it's not really a coffee shop. It's like a place you go and chill and talk to people. You go drink, have a coffee, do whatever you want to do the waiters leave you alone. Like you could be there for hours and they don't Mm. care versus here. It's like you sit at your table longer than 25 minutes and they're like, are you leaving? Are you out of here? Do you need anything else? Is your car broken down outside? I need you to leave. We're going to call the cops on you. (laughs) So it's a little hard to get used to, especially when you had like somewhere to be, you're trying to get somebody's attention and they're like yeah. just completely walking. It's past. almost the opposite. Like you would like, it sounds amazing. And it's like, Oh yeah. Like I get to just sit and chill and you realize like, Oh shit. It's like, it's hard to get out of here. Yeah. 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 So that was cool. Um, had an interesting experience at the KGB museum in Prague. Communism intensifying. One could say, yeah. Um, so it was billed as this museum, which is essentially like a spy museum of the KGB and the history of it. We get there. It's effectively like some Russian expatriates, like fucking hobby shop that he runs a tour in. We very, very briefly talked about like the history of the KGB and the NKVD and the FSB and all that. But it was very much like, see, look at this knife. There's German blood on this knife. And I was like, Oh, okay, cool. Here. (laughs) Hold this AK-47. Here, hold this submachine gun from the Second World War. This is how you stab somebody in the neck with this knife. You sent me the picture of Emily. I was like... Comrade Emily, yes. Comrade Emily. 
Um, I was like, how is like, I'm like, is that Photoshop? Because I'm like, is she actually holding that gun? I'm like, yeah, I so I mean, it was like, here, everyone hold this knife here. Everyone hold this machine gun here. Everyone hold this <laughs> rifle. And I was like, this is interesting and all, but I'm actually not learning anything about the KGB. It's more like, hey, I found all of this shit and I want to show you guys. <laughs> but also, too, there was a bit of like. I want to be je- I want to be delicate what I say here. It was very propagandy. So there was trying to get the lot- band back together. Trying to get the band back together, watching the May Day Parade, a recording of it on the TV from 2015. And the guy would just like pump up the volume to max. And it was just like tanks, soldiers, Cossacks, everybody walking in front of Putin. But it had like electro, like Eastern European electro music, like dubbed on top of it. Like, what am I? What the fuck is this? This is the strangest experience I've ever had in my life. And at the end of it, he's talking about like the the Battle of Stalingrad and how many German soldiers surrendered at the end of that battle. Very, very important for the like the narrative of Russia and the Soviet Union. And he was like, all of the German soldiers were well taken care of. They all got three <laughs> square meals and they had medical attention from the Red Cross. They had plenty of space and they were all returned. And I was like, that's that's a lie. Um, that's just. That's just very much not true. There was like 45,000 German soldiers that surrendered at Stalingrad. Like 5,000 of them made it back to Germany. <laughs> <laughs> and when, in the, as, soon as, as soon as he said it, he's like, all right, tour is over. Everyone give me your money now. And I was like, we have to, we cannot be the last people in this place. Like we need to be at the front of the line, pay and get the fuck out. Like I pay with cash, let's leave. And then we both left and we're like, what the fuck just happened? It was an interesting experience. Going to both of those places, going to both those cities was really, really cool. Public transit fucking rocks, especially in places like that. But that was just a weird, weird experience. Tom, uh, is that book in the back? Karl Marx. Are you reading Marx right now? Uh, the Communist Manifesto. Yeah. yeah, you can't see it here, but I das have. Capital. But I do have my Leon Trotsky portrait that I bought, as well as my wristwatch that has Putin's face on it. What are your thoughts on Lenin, Tom? Hmm. Great dresser, by the way. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> snappy dresser. It's a real, real fashionista. During, real firecracker, uh, that Lenin. <laughs> Yeah, during during 1917. So, all the same, that's where we were for the last couple weeks. How was the beer? Fucking rocked, dude. Yeah. Everywhere you go. Just beer everywhere. When I went to go visit Gatto in Amsterdam, they had uh, Amstel on tap. I was like, keep bringing me those. Like, don't stop. Until you see me hit the floor and then grab me another. When we were in Prague... Every place that we went to, they have this super old brewery in Prague and every place had it. And it's beer from like hundreds of years ago. And everywhere we went, get it, sitting on the river, looking at the Charles Bridge, just drinking a couple of fucking pints. Fucking brews. Just sucking down them suds, just taking in the Eastern Europe air. (laughs) But yeah. 
Prague would be a party city. Like if you want to go with some friends, that's a place you go and like go nuts. So Tom, am I going to see you in the next hostel movie? Where's your bulldog tattoo? Um, it's not far from Slovenia, by the way. And I don't know if you ever saw the movie Euro Trip. <laughs> I have. Um, Slovakia is also Slovakia. very close. And it was at the train station. I saw Bratislava and I was like, <laughs> let's take a trip. Let's go. That fucking movie, man. But the flight back was a pain in the dick. Yeah. Because it was filled with Austrians. They all love to smoke. And when you put them on a plane for nine and a half hours, they can't get their fix. And it was everybody just coughing their brains out the whole time. And I was like, get me the fuck off this plane. <laughs> yeah. Did, did you feel sick coming back? Sick like, in the sense of... Like, did you like feel like kind of run down when you got back from your trip? Um... Because, like, I mean, this is more of a broader, like, observation that, like, COVID regulations are just gone. And it just seems like everyone kind of gets sick. Like, it's so funny. I see, like, people getting made fun of on Twitter because they're like, I just came back from a trip and, like, I'm feeling really awful. And, like, what do you think it could be? And it's like, what do you fucking think it is? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So I will say that I felt run down when I got there. When we mm. got when we flew into Munich and then got to Austria, I felt real wiped out because that was a full like twenty five hour cycle of being awake. Um, I didn't necessarily feel that way on the way back because I was never really able to get into a good sleep schedule there. I would wake up at like two o'clock in the morning every night and just kind of be awake until like five thirty. Yeah. So coming back here wasn't a big deal. Flew back in. It was like 5.30 when we landed at Charlotte. Stayed up until like 8, 8.30 at night, which was like 2 or 3 o'clock Vienna time. Yeah. Yeah. So I didn't feel I didn't feel run down per se coming back. I felt kind of run down going there, but it, I think it was more of a time thing. But I will say shit changed when I got here and mm. – now I'm like investing my entire retirement fund into like nasal decongestants and allergy medication because my shit's fucked right now. How long was the flight? Going there was eight hours. Coming back was nine and a half. Yeah, riding that jet stream in the, mm-hmm. in the first, the first leg. Yeah, I, I I've learned at this point. I always fail to learn this lesson, and then I learn the lesson, and then I fail to learn it again. Is like every time I fly, I tell myself I'm going to get like I don't care. I'm gonna get business class, first whatever, first class, whatever. And then I don't do it, and then I regret and I get mad because I'm like, what the fuck, this sucks. And then I, <laughs> it's it's a vicious cycle that I'm in. I need to keep reminding myself to just spend the extra money and get the fucking tickets because like I can't imagine doing like I don't know how you flew, but I did six hours for Phoenix, like fucking six hours for Phoenix. Yeah, I mean, I did, I did that too when I flew to LA a couple of years ago, and I sat in the middle between very two very large individuals. And I'm pretty, I was watching The Irishman on my iPad. I'm pretty sure the guy on my left was like watching it with me. Mm-hmm. And it's a fucking long movie, so I'd put it down every now and again. Should have just gave him the other head. Yeah, you want this? And I hear like, mm. I'm like, yo, man, let's get your own shit. But yeah, 
I think the problem that most people have is that flying is also really stressful on your body and being in a plane also dehydrates you. And one yeah, of the things does. that people don't do on a plane is drink a lot of water. Yeah. So I was fortunate to have the aisle seat flying back and I was just drinking as much water as I could on the flight back. Cause I could, mm. I had a free pass to the bathroom whenever I needed to go. Uh, I don't use bathrooms on airplanes. It's a very strict rule. No, it's unacceptable. <laughs> you don't like the facilities on board airplanes? No. And the water is recycled water. Uh, so you're washing your hands with dirty water. So, well, I don't wash my hands. So there. <laughs> That's right, King. And then Fuck, I put them all over the dirty flight, hands. Put them all over the flight attendant's face. <laughs> Just start touching everybody. Oh, High fiving everybody as they're leaving the plane. <laughs> Did okay. So another question this is a big one. Did anyone clap when you guys landed on both ways? Because I argue that it is arguably the dumbest thing ever. Don't clap when you land. I didn't. I don't know if anybody clapped because the plane was so big. Hmm. So there could have been some schmuck in a cowboy hat back there that was like, "Nice work!" Like, yeah. you clap when someone sends a fucking fax at work too. <laughs> Yeah, do you clap when your Uber driver drops you off from the bar? I mean, I do. Yeah, it's literally, yeah, I, I got home safe, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I didn't hear anything like that, but getting off the plane was a huge pain in the ass. But the international flights, though, Lufthansa we flew, they had two ways to get in and off of the plane, and that fucking rocked. So it basically cut the time to get off the plane in half, which was great. That's good. Yep. Nice, man. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you you had a more safer trip than I did, uh, minus out the hostel stuff. But I mean, you were the one doing the the pain inflicting there. So. Yeah, I spent a lot of money there. <laughs> <laughs> Worth it. <laughs> well, speaking of pain, yeah. Um, John Morant is in the news again, and this time it's for the exact same shit that he was doing the last time. So. A couple days ago, he was on IG Live. I don't know why he fucking does this. With a friend of his, the same friend who is now banned from um, the basketball arena in Memphis because he was pointing a laser pointer at another team. And Ja flashed another gun. And I don't know why he does this. I don't know why he feels compelled to do this. But um, it doesn't look too good for him in the sense that the league is going to come down pretty hard on him. And I think we've we've heard from a number of folks across the board, former players, journalists, you know, social commentators and things like that. Everyone's kind of got an opinion on it. But let's get into our opinion. Q, when you saw he get suspended from the Memphis Grizzlies activities, which I guess he can't go to Cancun with them because they're not doing shit right now anyway. But the NBA has had an opinion on it too. What are your thoughts on this whole situation? Yeah. Um, I think JJ Reddick had a great take on this and it's that he's, I, I think that it's largely overblown and mainly because of the fact that he's broken no laws as far as I can tell. Now, 
it's not it's not a good look. This is kind of like weed at the combine. For anybody who doesn't know, the NFL combine is basically like your job interview as a college football player, right? You go there, you work out in shorts, you interview with teams, you take a drug test. Everyone knows you're getting drug tested, right? I don't care if you smoke weed, honestly. Like if you can play football and smoke weed, like that's pretty impressive actually because like I can't do shit when I smoke weed if I ever do, which I don't. Don't smoke weed, guys. Um, <laughs> but um, basically what, what, what happens is like every year some dude gets popped for a positive test. And at the same time, I'm like, I don't personally care, but it's like, God damn, man, you know that you're getting tested. And it's like, just don't do it for a couple weeks. And then once the combine's over, smoke as much weed as you want. So for me, the my take with Jaws, like, I think people are being a little ridiculous on this. But, like, I'm looking at him and saying, like, dude, like, you know that you're not supposed to be, like, have as many guns as you want. Why are you, as an NBA player, why are you obsessed with going on Instagram Live and showing off your guns? Like, that's what I don't understand. Because, like, gun culture is pretty pervasive in this country, right? Like... No one bats an eye when fucking uh, what's that Kentucky congressman Tom Ma- Tom Massey posts yeah. a fucking Christmas photo with eight with you know AR-15s and shit. No one gives a shit. But John ja Moran, who's a twenty-three-year-old, like you know that he he po- he poses with a gun and people fucking lose their shit. For me, the sad part about this is that he like is almost per- almost seems like he's sabotaging himself. I mean, this is a kid who's twenty-three. And was in line for a super max deal, which is like 200 plus five years. You'll be what, 28, 29 by the time that contract runs out and you'll be in line for another super max. I mean, you are cutting half a billion dollars just in NBA salaries from yourself. Like you're, you're risking all that money that's going to like take care of you, your family, your great, great grandkids. So it's more sad to me than anything else, but I think people are being a little too ridiculous about all this stuff. So when you say people are being too ridiculous, and I've seen the JJ Reddick, um, yeah. seen the JJ Reddick clip, and it makes sense to me. But when you say people are being a little too ridiculous, what are you referring to? Mostly Adam Silver, um, because I don't, I don't know if anybody watched the draft lottery last night. Adam Silver kind of got cornered by um, Lake Andrews, and basically she brought it up, and he had to answer to it. Now. For anybody like who like knows like how the commissioners work in sports, they're largely adver- adver- like ad- adversarial towards the players. Like Roger Goodell, especially early in his tenure, was very adversarial, um, laying down suspensions. Rob Manfred uh, in baseball, um, Bettman in, in the NHL, like all are kind of villains. Like it's not it's it's not a it's not a, a big surprise why every time Roger Goodell goes to the NFL draft, they boo him every single time. Mm-hmm. Adam Silver, on the other hand, has been largely a person who is very pro player and almost a little bit to his fault is a largely little too pro player and doesn't like rein in some of the crazy stuff that they do with like team building and stuff like that. These ridiculous trades that happen. But like the NBA is thriving, so I don't think anybody really cares. Adam Silver, and I, I, I can see where he's coming from because he literally said, like, I had him in my office. He seemed like he understood what I was saying. He seemed contrite. And then this happens again. 
But like at the same time, it's like I just feel like everyone is like treating him like he's a criminal or like he did something awful. And at the end of the day, he's a 23 year old being kind of dumb. Like I was a 23. Like I'm sure you were a 23. Mm-hmm. No, I was a perfect child. Um, <laughs> yeah. So sure. I, I hear you in that regard. And I agree from the perspective of he hasn't done anything wrong. The thing in Denver was problematic, but ultimately the police investigated and they didn't find that he did anything illegal. The problem that I think that I would focus on is what the response from other players has been, not just from the NBA, but from other leagues as well, where they're saying like, dude, we're watching somebody make all of the same mistakes that they've made in their careers. I want to point out, Q, John Morant lost $39 million because he missed out on the All-NBA team. He would have made that easily had he not been suspended last year. True. I think that's the problem that people are seeing. And I'll look at it from that perspective, too, from the financial sense. But I'll go to – I want to go to the Adam Silver part first. I think he feels a little – he got lied to in that meeting that he had with Ja. And I feel I agree, that I agree with that, by the way. As as a guy who has made a point that he's going to be the player's commissioner mm-hmm. to let, put his neck out for a guy who said, like, yeah, I'm a changed person. This won't happen again. I went through stress management, which I don't know how like posting a gun on IG live and stress management have anything to do with each other. But like that was the thing mm-hmm. and it happens again. And I think silver is kind of like scorned now because of that. And that's where probably that response came from. I don't think it was a manicured response. I think it was from kind of a gut reaction to what he had saw. And I think, I, too, I don't think Malik Andrews is going to told him she was going to bring that up. I don't think so either. I think yeah. they wanted the reaction, but yeah. I, I think, Hearing from a lot of other players who've been in similar situations, I was watching the Pat McAfee show today and they have Pac-Man Jones on there. And we all know Pac-Man Jones from his time in the NFL. Fantastic player. Mm -hmm. A little loosey-goosey with the law. Mm -hmm. And Pac-Man said, like, I made a lot of mistakes in my career, but that year that I was away from the game really changed everything about my perspective on things. Yeah. And – The part that I don't understand, and this has also been brought up too, is like, let's compare Pac-Man Jones with John Moran. Pac-Man Jones came from a very hardened West Atlanta area, had a lot of things happen to him as a young child, lived that environment. John Moran went to a private school. John Moran did not live that life. And it seems like he's trying to co-opt that lifestyle now. And it just doesn't make sense with what his background is like, dude, if you're scared about your safety, hire a security guard. If you're concerned about your exposure, like hire a PR firm, but it just, it doesn't compute with me. And I imagine with other people who've actually thought about this in like a rational standpoint, it probably doesn't compute. Like how did we get this guy who 
had none of this in him when he started in the league. And how are we here now where two separate times, one time, pretty big deal, got suspended this time doing the exact same thing. Now there's going to be a bigger suspension that happens. Like, how did we get here? And is this person going to like fuck up the rest of their life because they want to live a specific lifestyle that they think that's the cool way to do it. I am, I am disappointed for him because like, you know, one of the most electrifying young players in the league by far. And um, I was actually very upset as a Knicks fan. Cause you know, obviously you and I are both Knicks fan. We wanted Zion Williams in that year, but I said at worst case, if we get number two pick, we get John Moran. And I said, mm-hmm. like, we're in a pretty good spot. Knicks end up getting third pick with RJ Barrett. And arguably, I think you can argue best player out of that top three so far. Most probably consistent. The, probably the least controversial. Right. <laughs> Definitely the least. The Maple at Mama. Worst, at worst. <laughs> yes. At worst is the least controversial. Yeah. So it's um pretty amazing to see. But um, yeah, no, I, I see what you're saying. And I do agree with you. It is a, I, I'm not defending Ja Moran in the sense that like I'm I'm arguing that he is being a stupid 23 year old and I hope that somebody is has his best interest at heart mind you his friend also seemed to have his best interest at heart on that Instagram live I don't know if you noticed yeah he literally fucking pulled the camera down the minute he pulled the gun out so it's like it seems like even his friends who are like problematic are still like don't fuck your shit up man like don't ruin yeah it's thing it is weird. There is this like feeling that looks, it looks like he wants to be like a gang member or something. And it's like, I think he was throwing up gang signs too. And it's like, it is troubling because like, this is a kid that like literally has the world by the fucking balls. And like, you're seeing them like almost purposely trying to steer into like, you know, the worst possible shit. And it's like, I, I don't get it. But I, I, I think we need to start feeling sorry for him and like actually like he's clearly going through something. And yeah. like, I don't know what that is, but like I'd rather I think the I think my biggest problem is the approach has been more of like he's a thug. And it's like, well, let's actually like look at the root of what is actually causing this, because like I don't know about you, Tom, but like I, I, I know it's a lot of pressure. But like if there was an opportunity where I could be looking at in a half a billion dollars just in salary over the next 10 years, I'd be doing everything I can to preserve that. And it seems like he's almost like trying to sabotage it at this point. So I'm more concerned about Ja the person rather than like, you know. Yeah. And I think that's like I I'm going to push back on folks who are like he needs to be suspended for a whole year yeah it's stupid he needs to be thrown out of the league like yeah there have been people that have done way worse shit who have so much wound up back on rosters in a lot of different sports yeah my concern is what happens if the the nba just suspends him for like half the season right hypothetically yeah What's going to happen from the time that he's suspended to the time that he co- he comes back? Is there actually going to be a growth opportunity there? Right. One could make the argument, yes, like you take the game away from this person for an extended period of time. They're going to miss it. And this person's a competitor. They're essentially on the outside looking in. Mm-hmm. But who are the people that are around him? Yeah. And are those people going to be around when? You're giving him more free time to... Right. Bad shit. It's the summer right yeah. now. Yeah. <laughs> Summer's going to be crazy. Did you see the Sunny D vodka? Yeah. It's going to be crazy. 
Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I, I agree with you. And I honestly think that like a better punishment, I guess you can say is like, make it so that like, he's on like a, like a essentially like a shit list. Like you're going to play. And if you do anything again, we're going to, you get suspended for five games. You're going to miss five games. Every incident, five games. Like, you know, like you come back, you play another incident. And then like, eventually there's going to have to be a tipping point. But like a half a season for what? What law did he break? He didn't. He didn't break any laws. All indications are that he's the owner of that weapon. I mean, it's not illegal to own a firearm, and it's, he's especially in, in that state. He's too. living in Memphis. He's living in Tennessee, which I'm sure has very loose gun laws. I'm no expert on it, but I'm sure they're pretty loose. So, like, what's the fucking problem? Yeah. It's just interesting to also see to the people that are throwing like the blame around like, well, where are the the senior leadership from the Grizzlies talking to this guy? I'm like, it's the summer. These guys don't talk to each other in the summer. And also too, like, I hate to say it, but I think there needs to be a larger conversation around like, placing blame or these folks, no pun intended, but essentially catching strays because of job Morant's like behavior. It's not Steve Adams's fault that job Morant got caught with another gun. It's, it's definitely, it's Dylan Brooks's fault though, (laughs) (laughs) but but it's not, it's not Jaron Jackson's fault. It's not the coach's fault. It's not the GM's fault. Ultimately the decision-making around who are your friends and who they're going to be comes down to the individual. And mm-hmm. Pac-Man said on, he said on the Pat McAfee show today, he's reached out. Debo Samuel has reached out. Like there are people that are clearly trying to have a conversation with him. Jalen Rose looks like a fucking clown right now because he made that whole thing. Like, Oh, I think he listened to me. Like Jalen, no one listens to you. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're both in the same mindset. I think we, we have a similar mindset that like we, we are blaming jaw for his actions, but I think we are like, kind of viewing it differently than a lot of a lot of people have been if if you were 22 years old and somebody gave you a hundred and ninety four million dollars the problem is now though he's probably not gonna get that shoe deal so the games might not really matter that he's missing the financial hit though like hey man you had to you you had the chance of making 231 million but you're only going to make 194 now by the way you're also going to lose out on 39 million from not making the all nba team and then nike has pulled their deal like 30 what's it 35 35 85 um however much that deal with nike is going to be like we're talking I mean, about like hundreds of millions of dollars that are off the table right now this year the nike deal probably would have been i'm guessing in excess of hundreds of millions of dollars over the next yeah. decade i mean yeah. like think about i was just watching i've been watching the last dance again it's so fucking good it, it yeah it's 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 fucking an hour-long episode there's 10 of them it's 10 fucking hours and I, it just breezes by it's so good um but like jordan like made more i think in one year from nike like a one or i think like in five years he made probably more than he ever played playing basketball mm-hmm. like that that shoe deal like and he revolutionized it obviously but like that shoe deal was so ridiculous so that's how these and guys the, make their the, money yeah and the supermax deal is great to get but yeah. where you make that like 
huge chunk of money that sets you up for the rest of your life is yeah. the shoe deal. Yeah. Like the contract is what it is, but the shoe deal is a huge like influx of money and recognition because that also means they're going to sell your jerseys at the stores. You're going to have your poster everywhere. Like having that shoe deal is a form is effectively like, this is going to be a weird way to describe it, but it's effectively like that taxi medallion in New York city. Mm. They're really fucking hard to get, but yeah. when you do, you've made it. Yeah. And you're a star now. Yeah. And you typically don't get those deals taken away very often, especially like a full shoe line because like, you know, you're mass producing mm -hmm. those on a, such a ridiculous level, but it's, um, yeah, it, it's, it's sad, man. I'm, I'm hoping, um, I'm hoping that he kind of puts it together because he, he's far too talented to be like throwing his fucking shit away. I still, I'm still bullish on that. He's going to figure it out. He's 23 years old. And like, I think once he starts seeing like the real consequences, like, and like you said it, man, me, if you gave me hundreds of million dollars, you know, at 23 years old, I would have been a fucking asshole. Mm -hmm. So like, I think, but some people are, maybe a little bit more prepared for it than others. And like, you know, I like, I think LeBron is like one of those very rare cases. Like he seemed like he was ready for all this at 18 years old. The thing that's interesting though, and I don't want to delve too far into this because I feel like it's a bit of like coded language here, but Ja had like a childhood that, should have prepared him to like understand some of the dangers that are happening here. Like had two parents that went to college. One of them almost played professional baseball. They were both athletes. Like mm -hmm. they understand the temptations of what happens. Like his dad played, I think his dad played basketball with Ray Allen in high school. Mm -hmm. Like he played basketball with Zion Williamson too. I, I find it just hard to believe that like no one has told him like, Hey, when you get into the league, like, shit changes like the big eye gets bigger and yeah. like there's more money there's more people that want your attention people mm. that are going to just come out of the woodwork and ask you for things yeah like the temptation is there i'm just surprised that on one in one case like lebron came up and seemed ready for the moment and has not changed since it's then been probably the like I shit on LeBron a lot because, like, I, I still think that Jordan is, like, the ultimate guy in basketball all the time. But, like, at the end of the day, like, no one can doubt. Like, LeBron James, man, is a real good test case for a guy who, like, has been famous since he was, like, 13 years old. Mm -hmm. And it seems pretty grounded as an individual. But yeah. you are right. Like, yeah, it does seem weird because, like, he does look like he came from a good household. And like, yeah, it, it does. I see where you're getting from. Like it does kind of land in like a coded way, but like it is a reality that they're like education. And I, and that's the sad part is I don't think a lot of times they provide enough guidance to these kids that maybe don't come from that area, you know, that type of environment to, you know, maybe help them and realize like, this is what happens when you're going to get these, you know, paying taxes, writing checks and shit. Like, you know, this is like information that should be vital to all kids growing up like i didn't learn how to balance a checkbook in high school or college or anything like that you know do taxes and things like that i think these are all things that like should be taught, especially if you're getting hundreds of millions of dollars mm -hmm. but for jaw it is kind of sad because yeah he does look like he like 
had a pretty good environment and like he seems like he has a good nucleus around him but like i don't know some there's something about sometimes like these you know these young guys they they want to be on the edge a little bit they want to be edgy and it's like a matter of like raising your profile that you're not only a badass basketball player but you're kind of a fucking like scary dude off the off the court too and i think that kind of plays into the persona they want to play on the court too um you know it's intimidation and things like that but i think sometimes it goes a little too far you know and um I i hope he figures it out i do too um he's certainly a fucking talent um, maybe he just needs scenery change, trade it to the Knicks. That'd be great. Yeah, you know, um, we'll, we'll give him back, like, I don't know, fucking the, the random dude on the bench. We'll give him, we'll, we'll throw back that then. Yeah, that'd be great. Um, is Frank Nilakina still on the team? We can trade him. Probably. He's probably hanging out somewhere. Frankie Smith's hanging out. Carrying towels from one end of the locker room <laughs> to the other. Um, you know, just trade him to Utah. Shit changes when you go to Utah. Oof. Everyone's everyone's sadder when you go to Utah. Good 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 luck being anything in Utah. Yeah. So you so, brought up the Knicks. Let's do it, man. Um, all right. Our Knicks. How do you feel about the season? Because like I'm both encouraged, but also kind of disappointed and just like kind of still depressed about it. Um. Okay, so I'm going to take this approach because I imagine that you feel more depressed than optimistic. I feel really, really good about the way this team performed during the season. They didn't play great regular season basketball, but there were times towards the end of the year, especially when they made those trades, especially to get Josh Hart. Um, The team seemed to really start to gel and figure it out. Jalen Brunson missed a bunch of time during the middle of the season too. Personally, from my perspective, I think this was a successful year because they were able to play competitive basketball throughout the year. They made a smart trade for a guy that was an immediate impact player for the team. And they advanced into the playoffs. They lost. Yeah. But ultimately they lost to a a team that has a championship pedigree and one that has they knocked out the number one seed too. So I feel good about it. For a long time, the Knicks were a shit team. They were a shit organization. They had terrible front office, terrible coaching, players that were just like thrown together. This team actually feels really, really good. And I want to push back on all those people that keep saying that Julius Randle should be traded. You're going to trade your only all-NBA player for what at its lowest, you're not going to get anything for him. And then who's going to replace him. I think people need to kind of pump the brakes and be a little reflect, like take stock of where this team was a couple years ago and where it is now. It's in a much better position to be more competitive moving forward. I think they just, their issue right now is they really need to figure out roles for a lot of these guys. Um, cause it, it felt like RJ Barrett kind of disappeared around middle part of the season where he just didn't really fit into the rotation the way that he normally would have. So I think whether they need to trade a few guys to get a couple other pieces back or, um, they need to define the roles a little bit more. 
I think that's an area that they could work on, but I'm good. I feel good about this season. I do too. It, but two games away from the Eastern Conference Finals. Play that te- Heat team tough. Honestly, like if it wasn't for uh, maybe like a, a turnover at the end of the game, chance to win game six, bring it back to the garden, who knows? But I have an issue with Tom Thibodeau. I look at his offensive game plan, and a lot of it is like hope that J- J- Jalen Brunson figures out a way to win this game. Mm-hmm. And that's not a sustainable game plan. And yes, the the rotations are garbage. RJ's, yeah, he did have a dip. And then look at him in the playoffs. He was thriving in the playoffs. He had more 24-plus point games than anyone else. And I think he still does at this point. He was playing out of his mind. Jalen Brunson, again, I'm going to eat my I'm going to eat crow on that because I was not really for the Jalen Brunson signing. He's been incredible. I think a lot of people were, though, but that's what happens when you get yeah. a guy who was a sub player and then played really good in a handful of games and then got a big contract. So my, yeah, my worry was like, is he going to live up to that type of contract? Was he just a product of Luca? But I think he, Luca was actually kind of holding him back a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so he, he's a stud. I feel good about the tenant, like the core group of the guys. Like I look at like, I, we didn't even have quickly for that um, for most of that series. I, I mean, I, maybe he's a difference maker. Uh, between Brunson and Barrett, and I think Robinson to a certain extent, um, there's a lot of talent on this team, and I, and they did the right thing not trading for Donovan Mitchell in my mind. I like, yeah. I still say that that would have gutted the team. We would have been dealing with first round picks in 2029 that would still be going to going to Utah in that scenario. So it was not worth it. I don't think Tom Thibodeau is the guy that's going to take us where we need to go, and I would honestly, I think. A, a, a transition to Budenholzer or somebody else would be a good move. Even if it's Doc Rivers, like I know Doc Rivers is infamous for not winning the big games, but like I don't look at the offensive game planning from Tom Thibodeau and see it as a recipe for success in the NBA long term. He's a great defensive head coach. Maybe he needs to bring in an offensive assistant if he if you like. But they, something has to be done. It can't be. Uh, Brunson saving us, but to transition to Julius Randall, I disagree with you. I think Julius Randall has to go, and it's a couple different tenants that kind of really play into this. The main one is play on the court. Brunson has to be the engine that makes his team move, right? And the offense only really works in a ball movement type of scenario where Brunson is kind of the orchestrator. Mm-hmm. Julius Rand- and mind you, is it very shocking that the team was playing better when Obi Toppin was in there? Why? Well, because Obi Toppin doesn't demand the ball. He is better off ball, like where he can like kind of cut to the lane, get, get you know, go for the for the alley oop. Like that's kind of his game. He's also a pretty good spot sh- uh, three point shooter. Yeah. Julius Randle's game is ISO. He's Carmelo Anthony. It's like it's that dead ball. I'm gonna stand there and dribble for 15 seconds and then I'm going to I'm going to go into the paint and then I'm hoping for the best. Secondly, and you can like this is not me just being like hard on Julius Randle. His defense is fucking atrocious. And listen, Jalen Brunson's defense isn't very good, right? But he gives effort. Julius Randle quits 
in games and he quits in playoff games. He quit in that Atlanta series. We forgave him. We got over it. Right. All right. Try again. Right. And then he quit this series. He quit in Cleveland too. I'm you're watching him just walk. And this is the playoffs. You either want it or you don't. And he's not built for it. He's built for the regular season. He's all NBA during the regular season. And then he's absolute trash in the playoffs. I don't want a guy. And honestly, did you see that quote that he put out when Miami beat them? Uh, They just wanted it more than us. Are you fucking kidding? Like, dude, like if you don't want it more than fucking Jimmy Butler, then like, I don't know what you're doing, man. Like you're just, you're quitting. Basically you're just giving up. I think there's a lot of good players on this team and a lot of good attitudes. And I think there's a lot of like potential, but like, I don't see Julius Randall Randall. And you're saying like, you're going to get rid of him for nothing. Well, he can be a piece, you know? And again, to make the salary works, they've been talking about Joel Embiid. They've been talking about Giannis. They've been talking about um, Carl Anthony Towns. I'm not for Carl Anthony Towns. Um, But yeah, if you can manufacture Giannis or if you can manufacture Joel Embiid, I'm all for it. But like, it's going to cost a lot, but Randall's going to be the contract that makes that work essentially, right? Like you use his contract to kind of match him and then you give them picks until you're (laughs) 2034. You want to talk about a guy who didn't give any effort and then trade for a guy who blamed everybody else on his team for not giving effort. Which one are you um, talking about? Joel Embiid. That was some bullshit that he did, though. Yeah. Basically saying, like, we need we need guys that are playing harder on this team. Keep in mind, him and fucking James Harden went for, like, what, 8 for 24 in that last game? Yeah. I'm not I, – I, I think if you get them in the right environment – Julius Randle's had – Multiple different attempts at this point. I, I, that, that's not something I've seen from Joel Embiid a lot. I mean, again, I don't really follow Philadelphia 76ers, but I haven't seen that a lot. Okay. And like, even Giannis had a bad, like a bad reaction to the loss. Like, you know, he was like, you can't criticize me because like this is sports. And it's like, well, you're, you were one seed and lost to an eight seed. So yeah, we can. Yeah. We but, can ask uh, the question. Right. But like, I, I don't know, man. I, I just honestly, I, I just don't look at it. But also, like, the thing, the trade-off with that is, like, you're saying, like, okay, they, they they did the same thing Julius did. Let's not mince words here. Joel Embiid and Giannis are both, like, maybe 100 times better than Julius Randle as a player. Oh, I would today. definitely take Giannis over Randle. My hesitation with Embiid is he's also a guy who gets hurt quite a bit. And that... Okay. That comment that he made during that game, in my mind, was worse than what Giannis said, where Giannis was like, he could have said it a little bit better, but at the yeah. same time, like, this is a journey. This is a process. Like, yeah. yeah, is it a failure in your eyes? But this is what we do every day. Like, this is how it goes. And I think journalists, fans seem to realize that athletes – they really try not to dwell on shit like this because mm. they're if they dwell on this, then it's only going to hurt them moving forward. They can use it as motivation later, but do you really want Giannis like sitting in his apartment with the fucking blinds drawn, like just eating a pint of ice cream and sadness? Like that's nobody wants to see that. He's too nice of a guy for that to happen. And you don't want to give Joel Embiid ice cream because he, he's already found out how much he loves it when he's in Philly. 
Yeah. Um, my fear is that if you trade Julius Randle away, you're not going to get something that's going to be of the caliber. You're trading him at his lowest value. You can try to bundle him, but what is like outside of those two, which I don't think are likely, what's the return on those? Because I think Philly still thinks they're going to have a shot. And I think Milwaukee th- still thinks they're going to have a shot. So it's well, Milwaukee's talking about hiring Mark Jackson. So they haven't quite dethought up there yet. So let's wait until well, like June. Don't, wait, don't worry. Wait for my asshole of the week. It's going to be, I don't know if you heard about it yet. It's going to be a great one for you. It's going to go down memory lane. I think um, I know. I think if it might, can you, take, might a, can you take a guess? I want, I want to see if you, I want to see if you, you figured it out. I mean, there's so many people that have said stupid things over the last couple of weeks. Wow. Yeah. Well, it's, it's basketball related. I want mm. you to know that. Mine's NFL related, but. Oh, nice. Okay. So, um, but no, no. So, I mean, the biggest thing for me is not so much Julius Randle because he is just a piece of the puzzle, right? It's, I, I think it a better offensive system, honestly, like Mike Budenholzer and uh, Nick Nurse would be guys that I would be interested in over Thibodeau. Um, I'd even be more interested in bringing Mike D'Antoni back. Yeah. I know, I know, but Jalen Brunson in that offense would be pretty sick. So I'm just saying, Thibodeau, Thibodeau doesn't have an offensive game plan. So I would I would agree with that. And I think if they were if when push comes to shove, if they had to make a trade or they had to make a change at the coaching level, I think what you see with what you see with the head coach is kind of what you're going to get. Like that's what they had in Chicago. That's what they had in um, Minnesota. Yeah. Thibodeau is a defensive minded guy. That's never really going to change. He's going to play conservative offense. I mean, that's the Derek, it's the Derek Rose offense. Eric, Eric Bolstra coach circles around him, mm-hmm. like coach circles around him and, and shout out to Eric Bolstra. Like probably one of the most disrespected coaches in the league by far. Yeah. I, you know, he just, he's, is he the longest tenured coach in the NBA now? He's got to be up there. Well, Pop, you know, Popovich would be. Yeah. But like he's up there because like, yeah, he's like, I mean, like, what well, Miami, like not winning championships, but like fucking Pat Riley. Fuck Pat Riley, man. I still hate him. Yeah. I, <sighs> I think he deserves a lot of credit for the things that he's done with that team, especially when they had those lean years too. Fucking quit the Knicks through facts. Yeah. So are you? You should be doing this for the Knicks still. Clown shoes, really. Yeah. What are your um? Outside of those two, outside of Embiid and Giannis. Who else do you think realistically they can go after and include Randall in the trade with in order to make this thing work a little bit better? So a a mindset would be to be like, instead of going for a star player, it would be to go get a bunch of guys. So like John Collins from Atlanta would Mm -hmm. kind of make a lot of sense, I think. I still think at the end of the day, though, I want to give Obi Toppin the opportunity to 
thrive in a 30 plus minute environment, right? Because like as much as like, yeah, going out and getting Joel Embiid would be awesome. Um, I think the idea of like giving him an opportunity would be important. But like I can see like getting a guy who's maybe a good defensive uh, power forward that doesn't require, you know, the ball in his hand constantly is kind of where they should lean. Because mm-hmm. you really want this offense to run through Brunson, Barrett, and then Grimes or Hart, whoever you have kind of starting in that other spot. So, and I think Grimes, by the way, did a really good job. I, I my guy, he's not getting a lot of credit. Um, the way he played defense on Jimmy Butler, I thought was well done. So, yeah. And I think that was kind of a, an approach that I had as well, in the sense that. I think you have to see what you're I think you have to see what you're going to get out of top in and quickly soon because mm-hmm. you can't have those guys be reserve players or guys that are like two and th- one and two off the bench and then you're going to lose them in free agency and they're going to go start somewhere and be successful. So mm-hmm. I'd like to see top in play more. I'd like kind of the backcourt for the Knicks to kind of get figured out and move some of those pieces away to make a little bit more space for quickly. I don't mm. think he's a starter, but he's definitely a spark plug off the bench. And that's pretty valuable in today's NBA. Yeah. I, I'm wondering if a guy like Dorian Finney Smith from Dallas or Jeremy Grant, good defensive player. Jeremy those Grant. Are not, those are not huge names, right? But yeah. Jeremy Grant's an interesting one. Um, mainly because like, I think he, he had a few moments where he looked like he was going to be a star Yeah, and then he just kind of faded away. Well, he was Um, in Detroit for two years and I think that probably did everything it needed to for him. Or, or do they just go for it and go for shy, uh, Alexander? Because like, that would be really kind of going for it. You know, you go to the thunder and you, I mean, you can't really offer them picks because they already have like a all the picks yeah but like you offer them legitimate pieces and then a couple extra picks on top maybe that gets the deal done um that would be kind of a big one but i don't know dory finney smith makes sense jeremy grant would make sense miles turner uh, mm, no yeah i feeling him no he's more of a five too isn't he i think so yeah like a small five but I mean, I it probably it, it probably wouldn't hurt because Robinson's kind of hurt all the time, or he's got foul issues. So having some kind of flexibility there. But I don't know. I saw Finney Smith and I saw Grant, and I like Grant because he's already been traded once from Detroit to Portland. So Portland, it's yeah. pretty clear that that contract is movable. How uh, Julius Randle's what six six seven six eight around there? Checking. Because I know, I know, I know. Uh, Jeremy Grant's like six eight. Six eight. So you're probably getting um, a slider frame guy with Grant, right? Versus Randall. About the same. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. You're, their Knicks have a kind of a small lineup as it is, um, but that's okay. And especially in this day and age, um, it's not that big of a deal. I, yeah, I don't know, man. I, it's it's tough because. Um, I'm not sure really where you go from here because and it doesn't look like they're going to. And I, I'm still very angry about how the NBA 
treated this Maverick situation. I mean, it's just ridiculous to me that like the Knicks like were they the Mavericks gave up because they didn't want to have to give surrender their pick to the Knicks, and mm-hmm. they end up getting the tenth pick. So of course that they're going to keep that pick, and like literally like got fined like what two hundred k. Mark Cuban wipes his ass with that money. It's like yeah, gives a shit. And the whole well, I I wonder if that is because they felt kind of slighted about the whole Jalen Brunson thing. They try to say it was collusion or like tampering at the beginning of the year. It's all bullshit though. Like you guys had a chance to lock him up. You didn't do it. You let him get to free agency. And like, not everyone wants to resign. Some people like he wanted to go to the Knicks. He was a Knicks fan since he was a kid. His dad worked for the Knicks. Like it Maybe like sometimes you're just not going to be able to keep these guys. Like it's just what happens. Yeah. And not everybody wants to be in the shadow of Luka Doncic either. Like right. that's the other thing. Like you have to recognize that not everybody wants to play in that environment where it's only one guy who's making all the plays. Having a, having a point forward like Luka Doncic is amazing because of the mismatch opportunities. A guy that big and strong and fast who can handle the ball with such ease is amazing. But like, yeah, your point guard is probably not going to be the happiest dude having to play off ball constantly. So, Mm -hmm. you know, he wants a bigger opportunity. Yeah. And he's excelled and we love him for that. So I guess we'll find out what happens in the next couple of weeks. I would imagine... I don't expect many changes to happen. I'm wondering if I'm wondering if they're hoping that they can kind of repeat the formula for next year. And if it doesn't work out midway, they'll probably make all those changes. I don't know what Randall's contract looks like though. Um, he signed it a couple of years ago. So I think we're, we're getting closer. Like, cause obviously the last year will be um, essentially like a movable year, right? Cause it's an expiring contract. Mm-hmm. So he is signed through 2026. So um, he's got a player option next 25. Was, and I'm sorry. Yeah. That, that's a player option, which he most likely will take. Um, I mean, he'll be 31 at that point. So it makes yeah, sense for him too. Yeah. 32 years. Yeah. 32 million. So I don't think he's going to get something better than that. Um, so yeah. So he's got this year and then next year, and then he's got a player option. So it's, it's a tough. It's a tough one. He he doesn't become movable until maybe twenty twenty four, with ease. Like you can move him at any time, but like it's it's going to be harder to maneuver. Jeremy Grant's free agent. That's tough though because the Knicks don't really have cap. Like a signing yeah. trade, maybe, but he's an unrestricted with bird rights. That's what I'm looking at. So Portland knows. So send Julius to Portland with uh, some other picks, and they can do a signing trade with Jeremy Grant. Do the Knicks go after Draymond? No. Well, it doesn't make sense. Or Kristaps Porzingis and bring him back. <laughs> bad back, bad knees, bad elbow. <laughs> oh man, there's some. Um... There's some decent power forwards out there, so I I'm mean, fine they... with I'm fine with like going with a like a lesser option. Oh know? yeah, yeah. I mean, there are certainly guys out there that would be interesting on the board. Um, I want to be more guard centric anyway, so like, 
I had no idea Danilo Gallinari is still in the league. Oh, yeah. Gallo, baby. But, I mean, we're looking at the the top probably 12 are the ones that are going to be signed. Everybody else is kind of just ass or old. Yeah, I, I, I've saw people bring up um, – um, what's his name? Um, Draymond. Yeah. I just – no. Yeah, it's um, it would it would be a hard ask, um, particularly because him smiling he, after that loss just pissed me off. Well, he also commands a lot of money for a guy who doesn't do a whole lot. Right, he's I more of like a defensive guy. Yeah, I think that's the concern that I would have in the sense that you're paying this guy a lot of money to be like a six point eight rebounds, two blocks, and a technical every night kind of guy. And that's fine if you're a championship team and you have pieces that can kind of cover that, but he's definitely done in uh, Golden State. But I don't know who else would sign him. I don't know who'd want him. Yeah, I. uh, not for me. Not for me. I'm not a Draymond guy at all. No, he's a dink. Um, Okay. So let's move on. Shifting gears completely away from sports. Um, Wanted to talk about this for a while now. And finally, now that we're back in the studio, we're able to get to it. I think it's more relevant now than it was even a few months ago. But um, the rise of artificial intelligence, specifically ChatGPT with OpenAI, Google's product in Google Bard, and all of these like other artificial intelligence, like text generating programs that are out there in the world, they're starting to freak some people out in the sense of what the capability is moving forward, but also what's going to happen to people's jobs and things of that nature. Um, Sam Altman was just on Capitol Hill um, testifying in front of a Senate select committee on AI and the questions were, again, they're partisan and they're partly stupid, but I've read a lot of articles that have, that have shown some real concern about like, what is the long-term future of humans doing office work, administrative responsibilities, things of that nature. If you can just have an AI assistant draft an email, send it, to another AI assistant, and then that two jobs are effectively gone. So um, I'm going to stop rambling here and let you talk here, Q. I think th- I think there's a lot of um, uneasiness about the way that these programs can kind of work. Because, like, I think a lot of office jobs are kind of like fuck jobs. Mm-hmm. You know, they're like, yeah probably could design a program to do this job, but like it's good to have a human touch to things. And like, I'm not like one of those people who's like afraid of all this technology, but like there is a certain fear to it that I think there should be. And I think some people are, don't have enough fear of certain things. Um, My question becomes like, if this does automate, like if this does automate things to a certain extent that like ultimately a lot of these jobs are unnecessary. Well, what do you what do you do with these people? Because like, and I think you and I might fall into this category too. 
we are like office, you know, we have office jobs. Yeah. If those jobs were to go away, um, you know, as well as like other jobs, like kind of similar, like what do you do with the people that are working those jobs? Like, because instantly you have thousands, hundreds of thousands of people who are unemployed and there's no like means of finding another one other than like literally going into like food service or something. So yeah, it's, it, but again, like it, it's, it's all encompassing. And I think that's the thing that scares people. And like, there's been talk of people like saying like purposely scaling it back and not allowing these technologies the same way. Like we don't allow like, you know, cloning or something like we have the technology to do it, but it's like, we don't do it because it's like, if the, the there's an ethical is, barrier that we haven't crossed correct, yet correct right and it's kind of like the idea is that if we open pandora's box and allow all this stuff in in the world it will automate automatic thing but like it'd be nice like in a perfect like because like that's the theory of communism right is that like everyone essentially can kind of just do whatever they want because society is in a place that ultimately you know you're you're basically owning your own labor on the things you do because like everything else is taken care of but the problem is living in the world that we live in with the bezos and the mosque and all that like they'll automate everything take all the money and then like what is left for the rest of us you know so i i think there are real real legitimate fears of like what this technology is going to lead to it's it's impressive but it's kind of scary yeah i think some of the concerns that people have are legitimate, but also there's the other end of the spectrum where it's just complete terror over like something that has effectively been on your phone for like five or six years now. And that's Siri or mm-hmm. um, having an Amazon Alexa in your house where those are very simplified or dumbed down versions of an artificial intelligence because they're more function based. There's not like any kind of comprehension for that. Mm -hmm. I think we've also had this conversation in the past too, when we graduated to calculators from slide rulers too. Um, Or we've moved from, you know, punch card computers to actual, moving away from like analog processing to digital processing. And The fact of the matter is, is I don't know if you can scale this back in a way that I think there's one of two ways that this is going to be addressed. One, we actually work with people to understand this and help it leverage their jobs to make them better at what they do. Or we just ban it altogether and we are effectively taking this opportunity to kind of advance ourselves and our society away yeah. Um, I will be honest with you. I use, I, I use chat GPT. I use Google Bard. I like them because it simplifies a lot of the common bullshit things that I have to do. Like I will run an email through chat GPT to make sure that it reads properly and the grammar is taken care of. A lot of those things typically stress me out because I'm not a great writer in terms of like I don't write well in the sense of like punctuation, grammar, things of that nature. And having a set of digital eyes to look at it and say like, hey, these are the changes that would be made to make this read better and these things. That's helpful for me. Hmm. Um, I just, I think there is an opportunity for us to 
near the station and actually figure out how to properly use this to help people versus like being terrified of it. And then the technology has like run too far along and it's left a lot of people behind. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's a good qual, but it's the problem is, can you put those qualifiers on something that's so broad, like chat GPT? Can you actually put the restrictions and keep it that way? Or are people always going to find a way to bypass those things? Cause like, I totally get what you mean. Like using it as like a literary resource is is great. Like I think yeah. it's smart. Um, and like you know, at the end of the day, just ultimately like putting yourself in a position where you can like, because like my grammar sucks too. I, I my professor in college used to call me James Joyce, which was like, <laughs> it sounds like a compliment, but it's, it's like not, it's, it's the stream of consciousness. <laughs> he's like you're he's like you don't have fucking periods anyway. You're just going on and on. And I'm like, he's like, it's good, but he's like, it's like, you're fucking Jesus. Like, you're all over the place. Um, so, like, chat GPT could probably help me in that scenario, too. That's why I usually keep my emails brief, like, just mm-hmm. very brief and to the point. Because, like, I know where I can go off on tangents. Um, so, I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I think there are uses for it. But it's like, how do you harness that to a way that it's like, it is effective and can help and can be business facing while not eliminating your job, you know, helping you enhance your job. rather than eliminating it itself. Well, I look at it from this perspective too. Like we've had automated or like um, we've had automated like customer service folks. Like you call your cable provider. I'll mm-hmm. protect the names of the innocent. <laughs> you call your cable provider and it's an automated service that mm-hmm. you have to like dial one or two or whatever to get the service that you need. Right. Everybody fucking hates that. Everybody hates that routing systems. The routing systems are really fucking annoying and frustrating. Chat boxes like those chat bots and like websites and shit are super fucking annoying too. And I don't know why people think they're a good idea, but ultimately that's another component of it as well. And I think we're looking at it in the sense that we've all, we've had these technologies for so long already and we still prefer to speak to a human being. So when we're talking about like eliminating people's jobs and things like that, I think we also need to recognize too, that there is a human element that people actually still want in those positions. And I'm wondering if, I'm wondering if we can reframe a lot of these jobs and avoid some of the challenges that we had when we went from coal oil or we went from like telephone operators to just like calling somebody or a phone book or even elevator operators because those are all jobs that disappeared over time as well Mm. and we've seen the rise of like administrative responsible jobs in the workforce because these corporations have gotten too fucking big and we don't have people working in manual labor anymore that you need to kind of like hire, we need someone to run all these reports. That person's really already like running those reports through an automated system anyway. Right. You just want to be able to talk to somebody to help them explain it to you. I will say though, there are concerns that I have about like, I'm not necessarily worried about the text generative stuff. I'm really worried about like the deep fakes, the sound like, like, for sure. Those are the things that make me really, really nervous. And again, going there, to the gym, going to the gym early though, in the morning. 
Like yeah. going to the gym early in the morning, it's like every other news channel has like, there's an AI like phone call that's calling people and saying that they're holding somebody hostage and you have to give them ransom money. And it's like, okay, that shit's been going on forever, but they're actually using people's voices now, which is super fucking scary. Dude, I will say though, there are some cool elements to it too. Because someone made an, a Drake AI song and mm-hmm. fucking slaps. Oh, yeah. It's a real banger. It's so good. And I was like, he should have wrote this fucking song. But, like, it is it is because, like, you can have other people sing other songs. And it's just, like, I it just there are so many cool things about it. But you're right. It's, like, it's fucking scary. That, like, you may not even need, like musicians and entertainers there was did you hear about the netflix uh contract i i heard there was i don't know who it was i don't know if they even specified who the person was but apparently there was a clause in someone's netflix contract that they'll be able to use your voice in perpetuity like for ai purposes so like essentially like this contract like now we own the rights to your voice and can use it as like an ai formatted i gotta look this up that's creepy Netflix. I, I remember seeing it and I was like, oh, that's fucking horrifying. Yeah. And I mean, stuff like that, I think, are the areas that kind of. Yeah. So it's from the New York Times. Um, let me see. Hold on one second. Yeah, so it was yeah, it was essentially free use of simulation of talent's voices by all technologies, processes known or hereafter developed throughout the universe and in perpetuity. Do so essentially say- no, they, it doesn't say who it was, but apparently I think they they've been trying to do this. And this is one of the big things with the WGA strike is that they're trying to essentially like eliminate that completely from ever happening. Which yeah. again, like Netflix owning your voice in perpetuity like forever throughout the universe like no longer yours it's ours we can make you say whatever we want we could turn you into a fucking white supremacist if we want you know like it's it's scary shit yeah and i think that's the that's the thing that that's the area that i would be more concerned about is like what happens if somebody creates a deep fake on a platform like open ai um or some of the other ones that run out there where they do like voice creation or they're actually able to mimic your face and the movements, like how responsible is the company that that was created on in the event that there is a fraudulent thing that is shared? Like if somebody goes on there, creates, I think studio 11 is one or 11 studio is one that I've seen that does like facial recognition and stuff like that. What happens if somebody goes on there and takes like John Morant's face and makes him say something? How liable is that company now because somebody used it like that? Yeah, it's a really good point. And we've seen with social media, it's very hard to like pull this shit back off the internet because it'll just stay on there forever. Yeah, it's, it's, you're never going to get it off. It will be somewhere. And ultimately, you'll pull it off and it'll be in 10 different spots. Mm-hmm. So you'll never really ever fully get rid of it. Yeah. I will ask, though, what is what would you see a value in it for your personal life, utilizing a chat GPT or Google Bard or something like that? 
Well, definitely the punctuation thing, but I think I think like even workshopping ideas, it wouldn't probably like you know if you had an idea for something. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't really fuck around with ChatGPT that much, um, in part because it does kind of make me does scare me a little bit, so I don't even like to mess with it too much. But um, I don't know. That's a good question. What about you? So I've used it for a number of things, like. Um, I've used it to write emails. I've used it to do research on stuff. I've actually used it to write like our Instagram posts as well, too. So um, Get that AI I, touch, baby. I might not be the best person to provide like a contrary argument here because I think those kinds of things take me a long time to do because I have like an analysis paralysis problem. But being able to put it through something like that gives me a little confidence to be able to say like, okay, this is reads really well, me reading it here and also looks better than what I would have put together. So using it for things like that, I've done research on it um, for my job, but also for some other things as well. I actually like went on to Google Bard and said like top 10 places to go in Vienna and Prague and it, or create like a travel itinerary of things to go and do. So using it as almost like a, a personal assistant has been helpful. I think we're not quite at the point where this is going to work for everybody, but I'm wondering I'm wondering how many people are going to use this for like fantasy sports and gambling. Mm. That's interesting. You can like, it probably does fetch historical data, right? Like you could probably yeah. ask like, how often do the Knicks lose at home on a Monday? How often do the Knicks lose at home on a Monday in the last five years? Holy shit. Um, I went back to 2018, 12 and 10, 10 and 12, 14 and 10, 17 and 10, 10 and 10. Interesting. I mean, again, there, it's no way, it's not a perfect science, but like giving you, giving yourself the edge of like, you know, how many rushing yards do the Cincinnati Bengals allow at home you know like i mean like historic like you know i mean like in 2022 you know it, it just using it as a resource for like fantasy football pretty interesting actually there might be there might be you know what i think this year i'm gonna build my lineup through chat gpt for science purposes oh okay so i just asked um who is a better wide receiver between Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson? It says, as you can see, Chase is a slightly better overall statistics, has more receptions, yards, touchdowns, says statistics. Mm. Um, facts don't care about your feelings. Um, <laughs> Fucking lib. Who should I start? Who should I draft at number one overall? Christian McCaffrey or Jonathan Taylor? Overall, uh, and although I don't think I don't think Jonathan Taylor is in line for the number one pick this year, but yeah. And Jonathan Taylor. Let's just for academic purposes, right? Mm -hmm. 
And I, I have a feeling, ooh, it gave me a whole bunch of like health. McCaffrey is injury prone throughout his career. Missed 13 games the past two seasons. Taylor, on the other hand, has been relatively healthy. Team situation. McCaffrey plays for, it's, it's old information right now. Um, says he plays for the Panthers. So that's the one part that we need to be mindful of is in some cases up information doesn't update properly. I think, I think it's just the broad, like I would use it more of like how we used it for the Knicks thing. Like mm-hmm. how often do the Bengals lose week one, you know, at home against the Steelers, you know, like, yep. see, like that, like, I think it'd be probably better for sports betting. Um, but again, it's only really giving you, like it's probably that extra layer of comfort that you want. You probably have like even if like maybe you have an inkling like I think they're gonna win this game, and then you look that up and you're like, yeah, they're thirty and five in the last few times these scenarios have happened. It will give you that like little edge, but it's not a perfect science. But you could probably harness it in some way. Yeah, yeah. I think I think people will get better at it, especially to. I feel like an asshole, but I looked up like how to use chat GP on YouTube. And now I'm fucking flooded with like how to run a small business on chat GPT and maturity. And it's like, how do you make $19,000 a month? You watch like a two and a half hour video and you still don't know what the fuck that they do. By the way, I, I'm not naive to the fact that I have seen the, the great development between like crypto bro, NFT to web three to like, artificial intelligence dude out there on Twitter. Oh God. So they've gone from one grift to the other to like basically try to monetize somebody else's shit, which I find fucking hysterical. But so I guess to wrap up that conversation, we'll see what happens with artificial intelligence. I mean, as of right now, my recommendation would be to use it, try it, get comfortable with it, or at least get familiar with it to know what it's, capabilities are what the limitations are it's still a pretty young young program right now um or young system everyone's got their own kind i wish we had gato here so he could go through some of the nerdy gato would be more of the person that would give us but i i think he's less afraid of all this stuff than we are yeah he's um, next time he's on we should we should bring this back up yeah, he's not afraid of our digital overlords. So no, because he he thinks he will be one one day. Yeah, he thinks that if he um, if he helps them, they'll spare him. <laughs> what a fool! <laughs> oh man! Alrighty, what do you say, assholes and picks of the week? Yes, sir. Alrighty, um, so I will go first. Big win for the last couple weeks. Washington commandos have been officially sold or at least Josh Harris and his crew have put in an official bid and it was accepted by Dan Snyder for the team to be sold to the Harris sports group. Now they're just waiting for the NFL approval. It's the largest um, transaction in NFL history at like $6.05 billion. That's with a B Q. And huge win. Josh Harris is confident in just by getting Dan Snyder's fucking name off the team, it will be successful. But he already said they're going to spend like a hundred million dollars on like bringing fans back to the team, but also on facilities and things like that. They're already talking about a new stadium. I think it's a little premature, 
but I understand if they want to bring it back to Virginia or the DC area, they're going to have to have start that conversation. Now that plays into my asshole of the week. And my asshole of the week is Robert Griffin, the third. Interesting. So when that news became official that Dan Snyder and his team had formally accepted Josh Harris sports groups bid to buy the team, he, Robert Griffin was on ESPN talking on NFL live and the news came in and he's pumping his fist and he's super excited and he's so happy. And for the fans of Washington, the Washington football team commandos would have you, you either love Robert Griffin, the third, or you hate him. Mm. And I loved him as a player. I hated him as a personality Mm. and my the reason why he is my asshole of the week is because he was buddy buddy with Dan Snyder. He mm. used Dan Snyder to force him back into the lineup when he was hurt, mm. um, coming off that ACL tear into the next year, and ultimately was the reason why Mike Shanahan got fired, who was probably the best coach that they had had since Joe Gibbs. Which Kyle was- Shanahan was on the the coaching staff. Sean McVay was on the coaching staff. Mike McDaniel was on that was on the team. Coaching staff. Yeah, there was, oh, uh, and uh, the, the Packers coach too. Yeah. There was a lot of really, really fucking good coaches and a lot of potential with that team. And RG3 essentially used his position with Dan Snyder to make a lot of these moves and make the team worse. And I found it incredibly insulting to the fans that knew all of that, where he's like, begging to be a part of the ownership group. He's like super excited that the team got sold. Like, dude, you used Snyder to do all of this shit and to get you back on the field. And like, it felt very icky when he did that, knowing that there were a lot of people that had to, there were a lot of people that lost their jobs and the team could have been in a very different position now had that not happened. So Robert Griffin, you're my asshole of the week. Have fun. Yeah, I, I can agree with that. Now, where do you land on the team name? Did, did they mention anything about changing the team name? I think that's a non-issue at this point. Like, Ugh. okay. Man, the commanders suck. I don't like the name to be fair, but um, I think if you, I think the NFL is really slow moving in this and I don't think they're, they're going to change the team name anytime soon. And frankly, I don't think that's the priority of the Harris group to make that. I think what they want to do is get this team back to respectability. And frankly, like if the team has a winning record next year and they go to the playoffs and they're competitive, like it's not really going to matter, right? Like Mm -hmm. team names don't really matter. There's only maybe a handful of teams that have like iconic names, Giants, Bears, Packers, Vikings, 49ers, Cowboys, everybody else is kind of just there. You know what I mean? Yeah. And there are teams that have been in the league for a very, very long time. And I'm kind of like meh on them. Hmm. It just sounds like an XFL team. Like, I mean, I think something more related to like the, even if you went to the skins or the hogs or something. They bought the rights to the name Red Wolves, and they didn't use it. Fucking idiots! I, I don't. I don't really love Red Wolves, but like it's better. 
it's Honestly, not as it's not as tacky as commandos though. Washington football team was great. I loved it. It was great. Yeah. It was like it had like a more of like a soccer feel and all that. I kind of I kind of dug it. At first I was like that's dumb and then I was like hmm it's kind of growing on me a little bit, you know? Yeah. So I I I know that the fans have talked about that a lot. I don't think that's like a conversation that the NFL is having and I don't think it's a priority for the new ownership group to like dig in and make all of those changes and do all those things. Yeah. If they changed it, this team has been so like anonymous for the last like 25 years, it really wouldn't matter. But I think if it comes down to where they're spending their energy, I'd rather have it on the product on the field. Yeah, I agree. All right. Well, I'm going to lean in here. Uh, you went with the NFL. I'm going with the NBA. I'm going back to the NBA. Suns owner, Matt Ishbia. I don't know how to pronounce I think that's how you say it, yeah. Ishbia. So, as you know, the Phoenix Suns have been one of those teams over the last few years that has been dominating the regular season and then kind of folding in the playoffs. Not shocking. They have Chris Paul on their roster, and that seems to be his MO. Um, a lot of shit has happened with them. DeAndre Ayton kind of disappeared, kind yeah. of pulled Julius Randle in the, in the playoffs, stopped really even giving a shit. And they fired Monty Williams, like, you know, a guy who's won a lot of games there. Aside from his whole thing with Joe Kick, where he ends up like getting shoved by Joe Kick and like getting in his face and all that, he's been kind of making himself like, you know, a mark there. Mm hmm. Did you happen to see who he was sitting next to at the game in which they imploded and then lost the playoffs? Not only Mr. Bad Boy, Isaiah Thomas. And now there has been speculation. There's been no proof yet, but it is very odd that he's been sitting next to him at a game in which he fires the head coach and the team has been imploding Mr. Isaiah Thomas. And do you think Isaiah Thomas will solve those problems? There's been rumors of him either being the head coach or being heavily involved in the front office. Tom, you and I as Nick fans, growing up, watching the 90s was a great time. Mm -hmm. Watching What a time to be alive. Jeff Van Gundy, Pat Riley. Like, I don't remember a lot of it. I was pretty young. The 2000s when... You know, Isaiah Thomas took over this team are some of the darkest days we've ever seen. A team that had the highest payroll in the league and was winning 15 games. No picks. I mean, it took years to get past the damage that he did to this franchise. Now, it's the Phoenix Suns. I don't give a shit. But, like, the fact – I don't know how he keeps doing this. He keeps tricking people to thinking because he was a great NBA player, and he's an an amazing great NBA player – People think that he knows how to like build a team or coach a team. He he coached in the WNBA. He was the Liberty coach, and he fucking failed at that. Like he is just bad. And here we go again. I feel for Suns fans because if they, if Isaiah Thomas becomes your GM or your president or your coach, you guys are screwed. Might as well just go find something else to do. So I remember when he was hired to be the GM of the Knicks, and. They had Lenny Wilkins. They hired Lenny Wilkins to be the coach like mid-year mm-hmm. through the season, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. 
and they made it to the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Losing record, lost to the Nets mm-hmm. um, in the playoffs. Yep. That was probably the highlight of yep. the Isaiah Thomas era. Best was, part of it. Yep. Was, yeah. Um, keep in mind, Isaiah Thomas was sued for sexual harassment while he was- $10 million. Yes, while he was the GM of yep. the New York Knicks. Mm-hmm. Um, there are a couple of names that come to mind for me, um, just to kind of encapsulate that era. When Jalen Rose was traded to the Knicks, mm-hmm. they traded, I think, Malik Rose mm-hmm. to Orlando to get Jalen Rose. They gave Orlando a guy who was a young player on a league minimum contract for a guy who was making $13 million. Yep. Steve Francis coming to the team. Great player with heart, Houston. Hard condition. They have not thought because he was the one who had a heart condition. Yeah. Yeah. Um, great player in Houston. Gets paid a shit ton of money to go to the Knicks. Him and Starberry don't work together. Team's a disaster. Larry Brown. Yeah. That whole time. Yeah. Two first round picks. Two first round picks for Eddie Curry. Cheeseburger Eddie. Cheeseburger Eddie. One of those picks, Joe Kim Noah. Mm-hmm. Set, who ended up going to the Knicks later on for a bundle of money. Thanks a lot, Phil Jackson. Second pick was selected by Chicago, and then he was promptly traded to the Portland Trailblazers. Do you know who that is, Tom? He was selected by Chicago in the first round with the Knicks pick, and then he was traded to the Portland Trailblazers. He was Tell a me. star for a while. Never really a superstar, but like he was a really good player, and he's now kind of like a rotational guy. I think he Rudy just Gay. No. He just retired. You want to guess? One more guess? One more guess? No. Me. LaMarcus Tell Aldridge. Me. Wow. We could have been made of something. We we traded he traded Trevor Ariza too. The Knicks That's drafted right. Trevor Ariza and they they traded him. Yeah. Quentin Richardson, um, Jamal Crawford, who was a great player, a great six man in this league, six man of the year multiple times over. They tried to make him a superstar. It just like he was great, work. but he was he, that's not what it was. He was good at what he what he was doing, but like he's not, that's not what he was. Um, Zach Randolph was probably one of their better moves. Zebo like loved him, love Zach Randolph. Um, but like you know, even he was not like a superstar player. He was not worth the money that they were paying him. So it's just like you know, it was just it was a roster that was just at every position. Quentin Richardson, all those guys, they were all making twenty plus million dollars a year, and it just like couldn't afford any of them, and they sucked together. I want to bring up one last name, and I was talking to a friend, fan of the pod, Tyler. I was talking to him last Friday, and he asked like, "Is the Knicks?" like a disappointment. And I said, no. And I should have mentioned this when you're having this conversation earlier, they are not a disappointment because the years that we are talking about right now are the fucking bottom of the barrel. It's literal bottom barrel shit. Yeah. And I said like the reason why this, I am happy now, even though they got eliminated was in 2005, the Knicks drafted Ronaldo Balkman. Of course. And when other GMs and scouts were asked, like, hey, do you know about this guy, Ronaldo Bulkman? And other people were like, we didn't even have him being drafted, let alone in the first fucking round. Jordan Hill, they traded him a year later. They drafted him, traded him. Um, 
who was the other center that they had to um Childress? Yep. They had all these guys and they just never hung on to any of them. They would they would get one pick and like, oh my God, what do we do with it? Let's do it. It was uh Josh Childress. Yes. It's overall. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Was he involved in the Bargnani trade too? Or was that <laughs> the fucking Bargnani trade? Oh my that god. That might have been Donnie Walsh at that point. Yeah, yeah. A rare um a rare miss by Donnie Walsh. Real Donnie Walsh L right there. Yeah. I mean I, I was not a big fan of the style. I, I understood the Stoudemire move. I wasn't a big fan of it because I just thought he was already done. You know, his knees were already toast. Um, but I understood why they did it. Like they needed that star power to get there. And I think it's kind of it was the first domino that kind of brought New York back. But um, yeah, man, it, it like I, the Isaiah year, like Donnie Walsh did a pretty good job. And I would argue the, there was an assistant GM that took over for Donnie Walsh. I thought he did a pretty good job too. I can't remember his name. Um, after Donnie Walsh retired, which basically meant that like Dolan fired him and was like, I'll let you retire. Um, fuck, what was his name? He had he looked like a fucking nerdy dude. Um, checking. He he was the one who uh, signed Tyson Chandler. Hmm. Hold on. Glenn Grunwald. Yes, I liked him. I thought he was good, and they. Yeah. But and they I fired him too. Re- I think he got replaced by Phil Jackson. So, um, I think he was he was replaced by um, Steve fucking what's his name. Steve, uh, fuck. You know what? It doesn't matter because all these yeah. people are out of the league anyway. They're all fucking nobodies. <laughs> the team's on the up and up now. And you know what? Getting back to your original point, Q, Isaiah Thomas is about to be somebody else's fucking problem 3,000 miles away. Steve Mills. Yes. And He's by the way, still with the team, by the way. Janitor? <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, uh, he's gone. Isaiah Thomas is gone. We don't have to worry about him anymore. Tell him to fuck off. It was just crazy because even after even after um, they fired Isaiah and he cost him, you know, millions upon millions. He was of dollars still an advisor lawsuit, to the team. He still he yeah he became the Liberty coach after that, after all of that, and it was like he was like you could tell that he was still trying to like get him back in and like there would always be that new york post article that come out and be like nick's eyeing isaiah thomas return and it was like then people would fucking lose their shit and then all of a sudden it would go away but it just kept coming back and back and it felt like he was like let me see what's the temperature and then people fucking he's like all right all right all right right, maybe not yeah but like he just kept trying i don't get it i think Maybe Dolan looked at him. He's like, "Yeah, whatever. Ten million dollars, you know. My my buddy got to harass this woman. And that's fine with me. Sell a couple guitars, and then yeah. we'll be back in business, baby. <laughs> no, a couple kazoo's, baby. <laughs> well, go do what you need to do, Isaiah. Go ruin another team. DeAndre Ayton is a clown anyway. So, yeah, watch him become a neck. <laughs> Can't wait. Um, all right. Picks of the week. Q, what you got? Um, I actually, 
I'm surprised I'm saying this. I actually watched um, Knock at the Cabin last night, which was the M. Night Shyamalan movie. It actually was decent. Mm. I was actually shocked. Um, I, I, I want to more kind of highlight Dave Bautista, though, because I don't think, he, like, I think people kind of look at him and they're like, yeah, he's just a big fucking wrestling monk. But in this movie, he plays more of, like, at least on the surface, a general character. Yeah. And he pulls it off. Um He's actually quite good in this, and it was. It, they apparently, I looked up the book, and apparently, they they the the ending is very different than what happens in the novel. Oh, but, uh, it was like an hour and a half, and it it flew by. I, I it was pretty enjoyable. So I don't know where I was reading this or where I saw it, but I think there's a lot of comparison of The Rock and Dave Batista's yeah. like acting careers. And I, I think he's a better actor than The Rock. I would very much agree with you. Like, I, I have been impressed with the risks that Dave Bautista has been willing to take, For the sure. roles that he's been willing to take, but also his investment in his own kind of acting craft. Like, yeah. I don't know where Bautista came from. Did he come from wrestling? Yeah, he was a wrestler. Okay. So to see him be in movies like guardians of the galaxy, which is what mm-hmm. you'd expect is like comedy. Kind of soft, yeah. He, soft nails the, entry. He, na- he nails the comedy beats in that movie too. Yeah. But in other like more serious films and things like that, like he's really, really impressive. Yeah. Um, and then the rock Dwayne Johnson, I feel like every movie is the exact same. He's if the you same wanna, character. If you want to kill like a trilogy or a series of films, yeah. like you put him in it. Yeah. Um, I guess the Fast and Furious franchise is finally ending, but he didn't he's not the reason for it. But yeah. Well, he was he was he was on a hot streak for a while. He they called him um franchise Viagra. Yeah. And he was. Because like Fast Five, like Fast and the Furious, I think people forget, like Fast One was like a point break ripoff. Mm-hmm. Stealing DVD VCR combos. Fast Two is my favorite. It's the John Singleton fucking movie. It's awesome. It's yeah. Miami. It's all those cool things. That one was really good. I love that one. Too Fast, Too Furious. Tyrese is awesome. That movie. Couple great lines. Um, the, then it was Tokyo Drift, and then the fourth one. I don't even really remember the fourth one, but like it's the return of Vin Diesel. Mm-hmm. And like I don't even really know what happens in that movie, but it was like those movies were pretty much failures. Like they were bottom barrel shit. And then now these movies, ever since Fast Five, when when Dwayne the Rock Johnson came in, they've been making billions of dollars. And like now, I don't know if you heard, he is back. Um, the Rock said he was never gonna come back because apparently him and Vin Diesel have uh beef. Mm-hmm. It's very public. And Vin Diesel like was like putting out like Instagram posts trying to get him to come back. Like one last ride, brother, like come back. And like, he like flat out refused. And apparently I think the rock is starting to hit skids a little bit. Yeah. On his acting career. Cause black Adam was a massive failure. Um, and like a lot of the other shit that he did, like that movie with the, the tower that he did. I don't remember. It was shit. Um, Jumanji was bad. Jumanji, the, the, yeah, it was. I think the first one was pretty funny, but like, it's not like anything. He's playing the same fucking character. And the movies with Kevin Hart, like the Central Intelligence one, yeah. garbage. They're all like bad movies. So I think he's starting to even. I think he's starting to even feel it. Like, but like another person I'll point out, John Cena. 
Um, I don't know if you watch Peacemaker. Hilarious. It's so fucking good. And he he nails the comedy in that so perfectly. Um, I would re- I would recommend people watch the Suicide Squad first and then watch Peacemaker. It's fucking great. And I mentioned that um and that um I mentioned that in the sense of like, I'll even throw like John Cena in there too. Like you have Dave Bautista, John Cena and the rock three of the most prominent wrestlers who've gone like mainstream into mm-hmm. movies and television. Right. And the difference between Cena and Batista and the rock is that those two guys, Batista and Cena have been willing to take chances on different kinds of projects versus Dwayne Johnson, who, is not comfortable playing a character that he's not like an action star, like the big dude, like that doesn't really have like a ton of flaws, but those guys are, but the article that I was reading or the fucking post, I don't remember what it was, but it said like Dwayne Johnson has surrounded himself with art with writers and directors that are willing to like say yes to whatever he wants them to do Mm. versus Cena and Batista are like, they want to be like performers. They want to be artists. So they're trying to be, they're trying to live the character through the direction of the filmmaker rather yeah. than like, no, this is how I want to play it. You know what's interesting about that? You brought that up is that there, I, I'd heard that there was a clause in both The Rock and Vin Diesel's contracts that they can't lose a fight in the movie. Jesus Christ. And if you watch Peacemaker, like John Cena gets his ass kicked a lot. Mm-hmm. Despite being this huge guy, I think he gets beat up by like this little woman too. And in, in yes, so it's great. Yeah, and like Batista in Guardians gets his ass kicked too. And I think that's like I think that plays into it that like they don't take themselves too seriously. And I think The Rock takes himself very seriously in some of these really silly movies that he does. Yeah, and I think that's the difference. Is I think The Rock takes himself a little too seriously sometimes. Yeah, I would agree with you on that one because he's built his entire reputation off of being like the superhero, yeah. like the undefeated guy. Absolutely. I mean, I know that Dave Batista did not have a huge role in Dune, but he's great. in Dune. He's great. And he's he's gonna in be in fucking the Dune. One. Yeah. Yeah. Dune. Um, Dune. 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 And I, I liked him in um, Glass Onion too. Yeah. I thought he was great in that. I mean, he's been I forgot, in some. I forgot about that. He's been in some some interesting films. He was in Blade Runner twenty forty nine too. He was he was the character in the beginning that uh, Ryan Gosling goes to. Agent K. Yeah, I mean, he's been in some. He's been in some he gets good he shit. gets roles, man. Yeah, he gets roles because he he's he's good, man. I think people sleep on Dave Bautista a lot. Yeah, I'm I'm happy to see what he's been, what he's been doing, and I think. You know, while while Knock at the Cabin might not be like a great film per se, I haven't I haven't seen it. I haven't seen any of the the critic scores of it or anything like that. But it did pretty well. It's like sixty seven percent on Rotten Tomatoes, which is like what you kind of I would say pretty accurate. But like, I I was I'm one of those people. I hate M Night Shyamalan. Like I hate his fucking movies. They're all formulaic. Like you know, there's going to be a twist, and like you know, it's coming. So you just kind of like wait until the end. Even the Sixth Sense, I've gone back on, and I'm like, eh, not as good as I remember it being. Unbreakable is probably my favorite. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, a couple of the movies he came out recently with, uh, that I can't remember that was the movie with James McAvoy where he's the 
the beast or something that was pretty good With like the yeah. split personality one. yeah well anya taylor joy but even that is like ugh, just weird the visit like that was actually pretty decent but then there's that kid that little kid who raps in the movie and like yeah, i just i can't watch it because of that um there's too many issues in his movies but like this is probably one of my favorite of his that i've ever seen and actually like it's like an hour and a half it flew by i actually like kind of enjoyed it it's on peacock i didn't pay anything extra for it so um, i definitely recommend it yeah and you know i think being in movies like that where it might not be a great movie but your acting performance is good yeah i think bad writing but if you're able to play the character well like Batista's people. awesome in the movie too, because again, like his character, like despite the the situation, is like you figure out what's going on pretty quickly. He's very gentle and he mm-hmm. plays it perfectly. Like you actually do buy that he's not like despite being this big hulking guy, he can play like a softer character too. So yeah, that's great. Um, so my pick of the week, I have two of them actually. So. You know, when you have nine and a half hours on a plane, there's only so much you can do but watch movies. Yeah. And I watched The Fablemans when I was on the the watch that I was on the plane watching that. And I actually liked it a lot more than I thought I would. Um, I have not loved a lot of the most recent Steven Spielberg stuff. Yeah. This was very different. And this was essentially like a detached biography of his life mm-hmm. um, talking about him coming up as like a young filmmaker as a kid, yeah. but also seeing this family kind of fall apart around him while he's experiencing it. Right. I thought it was really well acted. I think Paul Dano is a fucking rock star. He's amazing. Like to watch him be in movies like the Batman as the Joker mm-hmm. and be Riddler. like, yeah, Yes, thank you. Riddle Um, me this, Tom. Be the Riddler in that movie, a very dark and gritty movie where he's a fucking lunatic. Yeah, he's psycho. But then be this very like gentle and caring father in the Fablemans and just see, and also being in like, um, there will be blood and things like that, like the different kinds of roles that he's willing to take. He really shined in that movie. And Mm. I really enjoyed just watching him yeah in it um michelle williams too right michelle williams is in there too um but i really liked his him being in it Mm -hmm. i liked michelle williams too i think she did a great job and also um what's his name pineapple express help me out here pineapple express yeah um it'll come to me later on but guy who is traditionally in um seth rogan yes seth rogan's in it (laughs) i couldn't put the name together but seth rogan's in it too Hmm. plays a very different character than what he normally plays is like again he plays himself in a lot of movies but this was very different i just thought it was just very well put together i know that a lot of people i know that some people didn't like it but I really, really enjoyed watching it and it flew. It was, it made the flight go much faster. I'll have to check it out. I've been meaning to watch it because I've been hearing a lot of good things about it. Yeah. Um, And the second one is a video game. Actually, it came out like five years ago at this point though, but I'm just getting around to playing it now. 
Red Dead Redemption 2. Oh, yeah. Fucking rules, dude. It's crazy what you can do in that game. That game is so much fun. It was on the Xbox store for like 20 bucks. And I was Mm. like, I almost have to do this now. So bought it when we got back. I was playing it over the weekend. And it's Grand Theft Auto in the Wild West. And it's just such an enjoyable game. It's the, the graphics still hold up five years later. I'm not, even, I'm not even like 10% of the way through the game and no. I'm in no rush. Like you, it's just you can, so much fun. You can roll up on a clan rally and light them on fire and then go fishing and just catch fish and go hunting. Yeah. Like it's basically like a life simulator in 1899. You can get attacked by a bear. While you're yeah. Out, you know. I've killed a bear already. Yeah. <laughs> it's awesome. I'm wanted in a county, by the way. Oh, shit. For like gotta, 300 bucks. And I, three, what did you do for 300 bucks? Kill a lot of people. <laughs> <laughs> I got um, I, I uh, got a wanted um, notification because there was a guy who was like, I need help getting back to this town. So I was like, all right, well, I'm not going to like walk with you. So mm-hmm. I rodeoed him, tied him up, and dragged him the way there, and he didn't like that. So. Yeah, no. And then someone else caught you, and then I had to go. Out. I had to go fucking pay my pay your bounty. Yeah. yeah, which is bullshit, by the way. I just love how you can just pay the bounty, and you're like, yeah, you're fine now. Yeah, I just <laughs> shot like 25 people. <laughs> you just murdered my our bad. entire lineage of people, but like you gave us 300 bucks, so we're good now. Yeah, we're, we're square. We're good. <laughs> so that yeah. that's been a lot of fun. Um, the game's really impressive. And yeah. then, and also how like I don't know if you how uh, in depth in the lore you are, how you react. There's four different endings. Mm-hmm. How you act throughout the game changes the ending. So like yeah. if you're a good guy, kind of a good guy, kind of a bad guy, super bad guy, it's all different endings. So so I am I normally do like good guy endings in games like that, and yeah. then I go back and play the bad guy. I'm going straight bad guy this time. I want to be the biggest piece of shit out there. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, you're gonna you're gonna kill in the reputation of Arthur Morgan. Come on, man. I am going to be a horrible person for so many people. <laughs> and I'm okay with that because I can always go back and change my ways. You can. You can you can become a good guy. Yeah. I want to throw out another pick of the week. Howl app, stay prayed up. Oh yeah. Big time. Love that for us. Stay prayed up. Um, well, I guess that does it for us here. Everyone stay prayed up. Yeah, stay prayed up. It's National Prayer Day. Um, give a little <laughs> shout out to Mark Wahlberg. Hoping he gives us some financial dollars. I'll pray for him if he gives me like two grand a week. <laughs> That's my side hustle now. Do you see the one with him and Mario Lopez? It's it's great. Oh, God. It's so I'll, great. I'll go find it. I'm going to but... find it for you. Don't worry about it. <laughs> hey, thanks. Um, that does it for us here on the show. Thanks for stopping by. Um, we're going to try to get back on a normal schedule again. We just had a couple busy few months. Um, if you like the show, do us a favor and tell your loser friends that you liked the show. Um, and give us a like and subscribe on your favorite streaming platform. We also do this on YouTube and Twitch as well. So if you want to Give us a follow on those as well. And let us know, like, what are your picks of the week? What are your assholes of the week? What are some topics that you want us to talk about? Ultimately, this is a show for you. This is a show for the people. We're talking about a socialist podcast here. But thanks again, folks, and we'll see you all next week. Bye.
Jack Sparrow. <laughs> <laughs>